Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. I'm John Taffer, best-selling author, bar rescue guru, and soon your new best friend. I've got a lot of shit for us to talk about, so stop making excuses and let's get started, because this gets real right now. All the way from the studios at Podcast One, here's John Taffer. Uh, here we go, I'm John Taffer. This is the No Excuses Podcast, episode 59, Corey. Wow. So, uh, uh, wow. Yeah. Deep into year two. Well, it's funny. I'm deep into year nine with Bar Rescue, which is really incredible to me. I just finished my 183rd episode. And uh, people, it'll hit the papers at some point in the next few weeks. So I'm, I'm not even sure I'm supposed to say this, but the network just picked up 28 more for next year, Corey. Wow. Congratulations, John. So that'll take Bar yeah. Rescue. Thanks. New, new programming to the end of 2020, at least. Right. Wow. And the marathons are still kicking butt, and, and the show's ratings are still doing well. Matter of fact, it went up big time last week, so thanks, everybody. And it's just unbelievable. The beast continues. Mm, yep. And it, it's amazing. And you know what's amazing about Bar Rescue, Corey, is when, when we put a recipe on Bar Rescue, you know, in one of our special drinks, right? it'll get about a cat, quarter of a million downloads. Wow. In about two days. Wow. And when they put a liquor... On Bar Rescue, it too does really, really well. So the beast continues, and it's amazing to me. So with 28 more episodes coming next year, Bar Rescue is not going anywhere, Corey, which is amazing to me. And uh, those of you who watch Bar Rescue and pay a lot of money for TV, how many places do you buy TV from now, Corey? Oh, too many. So you sign in on this yeah. website and sign in on that website, and I got this to go and that to go and this online, and it's ridiculous. And when I look at my credit cards... I'm getting hits from like eight or ten different companies. Right. And in many cases, it's sort of redundant, right? Because I have it from my cable provider, but I also have it from this service. And, and oh, it's a nightmare. And when I travel, Corey, it's even worse because certain things don't work in certain places and the rights are uncleared for all that stuff. But, you know, sometimes the answer is something as simple as Pluto TV. And Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service, and you can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely for free. And Pluto never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. So Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. And remember, you can download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Pluto TV is pretty cool. So being in the bar business, I'm always trying to stay on top of trends, right, Corey? Oh, of course. Because, you know, alcohols come and go. Remember when Jägermeister was the biggest thing in the world? Everybody uh, was doing shots of Jäger. Right, unfortunately. <laughs> well, when was the last time anybody's seen anyone take a shot of Jäger? Yeah, it's been a while. These things go. I mean, Fireball is still hanging in there a little bit. Yeah. Remember the Fireball explosion? So what happens is in the bar business, products come and go. And, you know, typically they have a life cycle, you know, that can run three, four, five months and they peak and then they, you know, settle down when the promotional excitement winds down into some place. And some of the trends were really fascinating for this year, Corey. For example, this would shock you. Canned wine. Canned wine. Really? Is no longer a thing of the past. It's getting uh -huh. really popular. So you can get canned wine that's delicious. And if you think about it, canned wine solves the problem because when you open a bottle of wine, the rest of the bottle goes bad. So how do you get a single serving? So canned wine is getting popular, and it's amazing. It's now about 14% of wine sales. I thought that was pretty unbelievable. I'm not one to buy a can of wine, but I guess I'm going to have to open up my mind to that thing. Brown spirits are continuing to boom, which I'm pretty excited about. I'm a partner in the distillery. Some of you might not know this, called Frey Ranch. And we're distilling whiskey, and our whiskey premieres this winter. We've been aging it for four days. It just got rated incredibly high by the whiskey masters. I'm pretty excited about it. But brown spirits are exploding in America. 
And it's unbelievable. It's growing faster than I've seen any spirit grow over the years. So it's all about brown spirits now. Whiskey is gold. I mean, a barrel of whiskey, Corey, is, is gold today. Rosé is the hottest wine right now as far as growth is concerned. Rosé is a, you know, a day wine, a night wine, so that's a big trend that's blowing up. Craft beer, and I've said this for two years, not that I wish bad to any industry, but I've said, and I've been saying it maybe more than that, Corey, you've heard me say it oh, a bunch yeah. of times, craft beer is going to die, and here's why. When the craft beer industry started, it was about people who loved beer. Corey, a guy like you would love beer. Right. So you'd open up your own little microbrewery and you'd brew your own craft beer because you loved beer. Well, what happened is the craft beer started doing so well that suddenly equity investors and investors started opening breweries and hiring brewmasters. And it became very different when the passion was for the money, not for the beer. Ah, okay. So then craft breweries started to get a little dirty in some cases, a little mismanaged in some cases. Some of the beer was inconsistent in many cases, right? The color can vary. The flavor could vary. The recipes weren't the same all the time. And what happened is a bunch of craft breweries ruined it for a vast majority of the ones who do it pretty damn well. And so it started to break down. Well, now it, it's, it's down about 2%, and uh, uh, it's really, really... Uh, starting to fall out big time. So those opening craft breweries and those getting into the craft beer business might want to consider that that trend is clearly starting to end. I can remember cigar bars. Boy, that came and went pretty quickly too. Yeah, I can imagine it didn't last very long. So the premiumization of everything is a trend today, and it's fascinating. So the economy has improved, Corey, right? Oh, of course. You make a good living for a guy your I age, do, correct? I do. Very lucky. And you, you, uh, uh, do you, when you go out, you like to buy nice things? Oh, of course. So when you, when you feel that you're successful at your age, and you are, and you feel like you make the money of a successful guy at your age, and you do, then don't you find that you, you want to reward yourself more by higher quality things and you know, go for stuff that maybe five years ago you would have bought the cheaper version of? Right. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, yes, I have to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so cost of living goes up. The right. more we make, the more we spend. That's the way it goes. So, so you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, rich people can be broke at the end of the month, too, because what they buy is much more expensive. Right. But premiumization is now a huge trend, and people are attaching themselves to brands and premium things more than they ever have before. And I think a lot of it is social media, core. You know, if you go to a cool place, you take a picture of the cool place. Yeah. You know, you buy a cool car, you post a picture of your cool car. So, you know, people get a lot of uh, uh, um, instant gratification, if you will, and relevance when they post these things and buy premium things. I think social media has keyed us all into our own relevancy more. Mm-hmm. You know, when you post something, Corey, you look at how many people comment, don't you? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, if nobody comments, you're sort of bummed, right? Right. Uh-huh. If you get a bunch of comments, you feel pretty good about it. Yeah. That's conditioning you for relevancy. How many people care what you do? How many people are watching? How many people comment of it? So at a young age, we're starting to get programmed for relevancy. Now what we do isn't just what's important. It's how we do it that's important. And what brands do we attach ourselves to that make us more relevant? And where do we go that makes us more relevant? And what are the activities that we do that make us more relevant? Well, premiumization makes us more relevant. I'm drinking something that other people maybe can't afford, maybe don't want, maybe uh, uh, et cetera. Maybe it places me in a position of greater relevancy. And premiumization is clearly uh, uh, the fact that I think is the result of that relevancy. Tequila, way up, boy. Tequila category was up 7.9% in 2018. Big numbers. And then the other one is RTDs. Do you know what an RTD is? I don't. What is that? Ah, I got you, Corey. An RTD stands for, it's so simple, ready to drink. Oh. So ready to drink cocktails, ready to drink fruit drinks, ready to drink anything. So I'm pretty excited. I have an RTD. Oh, that's right. A ready-to-drink product that comes out next month, I believe third week in September, and you'll see it in Walmarts. Taffer's Craft Carbonated Cocktails. 
And I got to tell you, Corey, I've been working on these babies for a year. I think you might have tasted some when they were in the office. Yeah, I remember that. It was a while ago, but they were they were good. We were tasting samples and playing with all the flavors and the different combinations, and and wow, they're they're amazing. But RTDs are exploding. So hopefully Taffer Craft Carbonated Cocktails will be a part of it. But it's incredible. When you go into convenience stores today, even when you go to pools in Vegas, et cetera, RTDs are huge right now. The other thing that's growing big time is private labels. A lot of people are doing private labels on things for restaurants or private brands or even private label barbecue sauces, et cetera. And then, of course, the lower healthy alcohol is interesting. So this is a trend. And some people call it sober bars. Some people call it light drinking, light cocktails. A light cocktail, Corey, would be a pina colada, which might normally have an ounce and a half of rum, let's say. Right. It would maybe have a teaspoon. Uh, Okay. So you're really not going to get drunk on it. Right. But you can taste the alcohol. And it's still an alcoholic beverage. So it's a light alcoholic beverage. Not light sugar, light alcohol. And a lot of these are getting really popular now. Matter of fact, a lot of... uh, um, uh, sober bars are opening up in New York. And then unbelievable, too, which is remarkable to me, is is the growth of Tito's Vodka. And I know Tito. I've met Tito a bunch of times. Tito's a great guy, and the, the success of his vodka is quite a success story, how Tito's continues to explode around the country and nationwide. And sometimes you wonder if it's the word handmade or what is it that makes it so special. But Tito's sells like a son of a bitch. It's unbelievable how much of that vodka they'll sell. So Walmart and Nordstrom are building stores, Corey, that don't really sell anything. Huh. What do you mean by that? Well, they're sort of pickup locations. Okay. So Walmart.com is really growing. Nordstrom is trying to build their online presence. And, of course, everybody's trying to chase Amazon. Oh, right. Who has a hell of a head start. Try to catch somebody with the kind of head start that Amazon does. Yeah. And the convenience that Amazon does. You know, it's amazing. The other day I was sitting in a hotel room and I thought to myself, my suit was clinging to my leg. You know, static cling. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, you know, I could use a can of static guard to keep in my suitcase. I picked up my phone. I hit my Amazon app. About 15 seconds later, I was done. The next night I fly home after my uh, recon or whatever I was doing for bar. I fly home. In the morning... The uh, uh, static spray was there. Right. I mean, it was 15 seconds for the whole thing in real time. It's tough to compete with that kind of convenience, especially when you know pricing is generally fair and everything. So Walmart and Nordstrom are trying to catch up with their online presence. So these are stores where you would just pick up what you bought. So rather than waiting for delivery, I guess you, you, you do ordering and then you just go pick it up. So they're really more pickup stations than stores. And Instagram now, everybody's trying to get into your pocket, Corey. Oh, yeah. So now Instagram hasn't been a very big player in retail before. Well, they don't like that. So now Instagram is trying to become a transactional site where everybody can sell stuff through Instagram. So Instagram is trying to sell you stuff online, just like Nordstrom and Walmart is, and that's the trend. Everything is how to sell more to you online, how to get it to you more conveniently. I'm guessing when those drones get going and you get same-day delivery from a drone, it's going to be tough to beat that. And Amazon has a clear head start on all of that. So we'll see what happens. Do you think a company like Amazon should be as big as they are, Corey? I mean, I love the the convenience of it. So, I mean, I can't complain too bad. But um, I can imagine they have quite a monopoly on the, the market. They do. On the other hand, I can get a product on Amazon pretty easily. Right. Right, so if you wanted to create, you know, a hairspray, not that you would, uh, uh, it's pretty easy to get it on Amazon. Then you just got to market it. So Amazon, I'm with you, buddy. I mean, their muscle is a little overwhelming, and they can force other people out of the marketplace just like a Walmart can. But the fact of the matter is young people that are looking for distribution channels, if you have a product that's cool, you can get it onto Amazon. And once it's on Amazon, you got national distribution. Then just go market and promote it. And just tell everybody it's available on Amazon. So in a way, Amazon also helps small business, which I think is pretty cool. When you think about the fact that instantly I get national distribution when I can put my product uh, uh, on Amazon, which is pretty pretty cool, I think. So delivery services. McDonald's is going to do, you ready for this, Corey? Almost a half a billion dollars in delivery this year. Jeez. A half a billion dollars. 
you think about the fact that Taco Bell, and I like Taco Bell. I'm not beating up on Taco Bell. Taco Bell sells a taco for what, about a buck? Right. So you, let's say you wanted four tacos, Corey. Four bucks-ish. Yeah, let's say it's five. Okay. <laughs> five bucks, and you're going to have it delivered. That's sort of fascinating. When you think about all the work to package it, the guy's got to come pick it up. He's got to bring it to your house. He's got to come into your house, maybe go up an elevator if you live in an apartment, whatever it is. He's got to do all that for $5 worth of food, which now becomes 10 or $15 worth of food. So I get it. If you're ordering a steak dinner, Corey, the delivery charge might be 10% of the meal. But when you're ordering a taco for a dollar, the delivery charge is like 100% of the meal. <laughs> right. So it's amazing to me that fast food delivery has taken off like it has. Let me ask you a question. What's up? A lot of people do fast food delivery and they eat it on their couch, right? Yeah. People who consume cannabis do what? They sit on their freaking couches. Yeah. You think there's a connection between the legalization of cannabis and the growth of delivery foods? Right. I wonder. Yeah. Because cannabis can get you lazy. Right. Cannabis can get you to stay in. Cannabis is not actually the kind of thing that you take and then go out or use and then go out. So I don't know. Is there a connection between cannabis and food delivery? There should be. If it was potato chip delivery, then I would certainly understand it. (laughs) I'll be right back. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. You know, it's funny, Corey, when you run a business day to day, you know, talking to people is easy. You know, you and I talking together is easy. You know, working on things is easy. You know, payroll and accounting is what's really, really tough in a business. Because the fact of the matter is a lot of people don't put the time into it and then it bites them in the butt when the numbers don't work. And running a business doesn't have to be difficult. With Square Payroll Services, you can easily pay your W-2 employees and 1099 contractors online in just a few clicks. You can file your taxes, offer benefits like the 401k, and more. And Square Payroll is integrated with Square POS, so time cards and tips are automatically imported into payroll. And they offer fair and flexible pricing that scales with your business. Just $29 per month plus $5 per employee per month. I'm talking about simple pricing, no hidden fees, and no long-term contracts. Square Payroll is a win for any business. Right now, my listeners can receive three free months of Square Payroll by visiting square.com slash go slash taffer. That's square.com slash go slash taffer to receive three months of Square Payroll. Shut it down! All righty, well... By an act of Congress, votes, documents, files, national registers, of all that work, Corey, this is what we got. I these can't are, wait. These are our national days of this week. It starts today with National Julienne Fries Day. Not only Fries Day, Corey, but Julienne Fries, right. which are thinner fries. <laughs> national Vinyl Record Day. Well, that's freaking gone. How about National Middle Child Day? Oh, okay. Can't forget about them. National Prosecco Day. National Filet Mignon Day. All righty, tomorrow's my day, buddy. National Left-Handers Day. Oh, you're left-handed. I didn't know that. I am left-handed. August 14th, National VJ Day. It's also National Creamsicle Day. Man, I love creamsicles. Did you say BJ Day and Creamsicle Day? No, VJ oh. as oh, in okay. Victor. <laughs> Big difference. Between, then again, for some people, the BJ is a VJ, if you know right. what I'm saying. <laughs> National Leathercraft Day. National Relaxation Day. Oh, here's a good one. National Lemon Meringue Pie Day. Friday, Corey, is National Tell-A-Joke Day. National Roller Coaster Day. National Airborne Day. National Rum Day. I'm pretty good for that. Yeah. August 17th is National Nonprofit Day. National I Love My Feet Day. Jeez. National Thrift Shop Day. National Black Cat Appreciation Day. And of course, don't forget, it's World Honeybee Day this Saturday. You don't want to forget that one, Corey. And then, of course, Sunday we finish it up with National Fajita Day. Okay. National Mail Order Catalog Day. Some of this stuff is just so freaking ridiculous. <laughs> National Ice Cream Pie Day. And there we go. Those are our congressional work days of the week. Uh, uh, And by the way, 
There's nothing wrong with going out and getting an ice cream pie on National Ice Cream Pie Day. Do you agree? Oh, I totally. There's nothing wrong with loving your feet on National Feet Day, is <laughs> right. there? So maybe there is a good message in these somewhere. I haven't yeah. yet found them, but maybe there is one. Well, okay. Here we go. In the dark. So a few weeks ago, we started this bit where we asked you guys to send in video clips of questions, comments, whatever it is that you want to do. And Corey, who is my producer, who works with me, for me, and I like as my friend, is going to hide these from me, which I typically wouldn't allow. And he's going to lay them on me live in production. Correct, Corey? That is correct, John. Uh, have I seen these? No, you have not. Have you told me what they are? I have not. Uh, uh, you are promising this to our audience? Of course. Okay, so that's why I call it in the dark. Because I have no freaking idea what this is going to be. So I need you guys to send me, like, audio clips that are challenging. Even insult me if you want to. Lay some audio clips on me so that when I go into the dark, it can really be the dark, if you know what I'm saying, Corey. So you got a few for me, buddy? I do. They're all queued up. All right. Here we go. John, huge fan of the show. Huge hater of excuses. Question. Is it hard putting your pants on in the morning with those giant balls ears? I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, John. It isn't hard. I just have to lift them up off the floor before I put my pants on, and then it works out fine. <laughs> hey, you said you wanted more challenging. There we go. That was pretty good. I just have to lift them off the floor. You know, it's more challenging to me when the floor is cold Oh, when I'm walking imagine. around than anything else, because obviously they can drag on the floor sometimes. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> Hey, John, Chris Worthout from St. Mary's, Ontario, Canada here. Just wondering, when you're done with the bar, uh, do they have to uh, give you any money to redo their bars, or do you just come in and do that for them uh, for nothing? And if so, um, do you own part of the business after you're finished? I'm uh, just wondering, I should probably know this by now after seven seasons, but uh, I've uh, never actually looked that up online or anything, so... Anyway, this is a question for your uh, In the Dark segment on your No Excuses podcast. Anyway, keep up the great work. Love your shows. Bye. Thanks, buddy. Well, no, the bars don't pay for anything at all. It's all given to them. The network pays, sponsors pay, et cetera. Uh, uh, sometimes friends give me products to support on the show. So, no, the bars don't pay for anything. And, nope, I have no financial connection to them when I leave whatsoever. They don't pay me any royalties or any dollars. They don't owe me anything. Some cases I speak to owners after I leave if they get in touch. In most cases, I never speak with them again. I never see them again. I never hear from them again. Uh, uh, that's most cases of all. But there's no financial connection. They don't owe me a thing when we leave. All right, so one was a little uh, surprising. Yeah. The other was uh, pretty easy. What yeah. do we got now? Right. Hey, John, this is Brady from Utah. I know you've done some bars here recently, um, and I was just wondering, how do you manage liquor laws from state to state, some states being strict, some states being less strict? You know, it, it's uh, It's not easy. And managing liquor laws in each state is very different. For example, in Utah, I believe, has the most restrictive laws in the country. So in Utah, for example, you'll see in every bar rescue episode we do in Utah, there's a counter on a pourer. It's called the Berg system. And it's that ring that goes on a pourer that uh, uh, releases exactly either one ounce or an ounce and a half from the bottle. Utah is the only state that I know of that causes a bar to have to count the amount of ounces that they sell and then compare the amount of ounces that are consumed or used to the amount of ounces they sold, and there better not be any missing. You can't give away a drink in Utah. If I'm an owner and I want a drink, I can ring it into my cash register and then comp it, but it must be rung into my cash register. So, so this is a really uh, astute question. In some states, liquor licenses uh, uh, laws are much freer. Nevada is an example. You can take a cocktail walk down the street in Nevada. You can do that in, in some areas of Florida. You can have a cocktail out on the beach or, or on the street in certain areas. Uh, Utah is the most restrictive. So when we move bar rescue from state to state, I'm very cognizant of, of what the laws are in each state and what I can do promotionally. And I'll tell everybody a quick funny story. Years ago in the state of California, they legalized happy hour. And what that meant was we couldn't discount drinks 
for two or three hours in a day anymore. So if I lowered the price of a drink to, let's say, $2 or $5, it had to be that price for an entire 24-hour cycle. I couldn't just discount during happy hour. Then I couldn't discount below cost either. So it really made it a problem because I couldn't create any pricing difference for happy hour or late night or do two-for-ones or anything like that. So it was a problem because at the time we had some bars in Southern California and, and happy hour was very, very important to us, so we didn't know what to do. So when they, no happy hour laws went into effect, I called my bank and I ordered a few thousand $2 bills. You like the story, Corey. Oh, okay. And I folded those $2 bills in half, and I used them as coasters during happy hour. Oh. And the liquor authority couldn't control what napkins I used, but they could control the prices. So the prices of the cocktails stayed the same, but whenever anybody ordered a cocktail during certain hours of the day, everything was served on a $2 bill coaster. And that lasted for about eight months till the state of California changed the laws. And then that was it. And I was out of that business. <laughs> and that's how those things go. <laughs> and we'll be right back with Dave and John. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. Are you a reality TV fan? Well, if you are, you can get your fix with Rob's sister Nino on Rob Has a Podcast here on Podcast One. Join two-time Survivor as he talks to some of the biggest names in reality TV and covers the hottest competition shows like Survivor, Amazing Race, Big Brother, and more. Download new episodes of Rob Has a Podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Taffer's back. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. When you do podcasts, talking to you guys is great. But every once in a while, you bring a guest in who... who I've admired for so many years, not only because of what you do, Damon, but because of how you do it. Well, it's an honor to hear that, man, you know, Uh, because, you know, we never met in person. And uh, it's kind of like I feel like I know you. And I I always say to myself, I wish I can talk to people the way that you talk to them. I'm on ABC, so Mickey Mouse is not going to really be that happy. (laughs) But I want to go tell people, go fuck yourself. And, you know, and and this this garbage, this is shit. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, to hear from a guy like you, I really appreciate it, man. Thank nah, you. Nah, my pleasure. So I want to welcome uh, Damon John. It's, it's an honor to have you, buddy. Thank you. And you were kind enough to write a little blurb on the flap of my last book, which, which I appreciate. And we've communicated, but we've never met before. Never met before in person, yeah. And so to sit here together uh, <laughs> and look in each other's eyes is really something else. In my book, I cited the excuses that hold us back, mm-hmm. fear and ego. And yeah. One of the biggest ones is scarcity. I love your freaking story. So so I want people to hear how you actually started almost knitting, if you will, yeah, yeah. yourself. Tell everybody, because you started literally with nothing. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like the little hip-hop hat that was out there. I saw it on some videos. I wanted to, you know, buy the hat myself, and I, I went and bought it, and I spent like $20 on the hat. My mother said, you can't afford hats like this. She said, but... This is garbage. You can make this yourself. And she showed me how to sew like a couple of lines. And I went and bought $40 worth of fabric. (laughs) But I'm not thinking in a way of an entrepreneur at that time. I just bought it $40 worth of fabric. Now all of a sudden, it was the same fabric though. So now all of a sudden, I I have 80 hats that all look like a striped candy cane. And I said to myself, okay, here's what I could do. If I sell these hats for 50 cents or a dollar... I can sell 80 of them and make back the $40 worth of fabric, right? So yep. now the hat costs me nothing. Yep. But I go and sell them for 10 and $20. Now I make $800. In a day. And, and the light bulb in an hour. In an hour. I stood out on the corner and just sold the hats. And then the light bulb went off now, on this my is head. in Brooklyn, New York. This was in Queens. This in is actually Queens. in Queens. I was born in Brooklyn. I was raised in Queens. And this weird thing happens when you take action and you start moving forward in a positive way because when I saw that $800, I said to myself that that day, I said, I made this with my own hands. It was my ability to convey to the customer, a potential customer, why this was great, a purchase for them. And that day, I said, I'm never going to work for anybody ever again for the rest of my life. Because it just took that action. But when you were in high school, you got yeah. into a really special program. Co-op. Co-op. And yeah, that yeah, really yeah. changed your life. It, it did. You know, it was a program where I'm dyslexic and um, I my work around of not wanting to go to school was, yeah. uh, you know, in high school, they offered you one uh, week of schooling and you can go and get a job and you get the same credit. So I got 
the ability to work. Yeah. And I worked at a company called First Boston uh, as a foot messenger in um, Manhattan. And um, I, w- I would see the most brilliant venture capitalist people be miserable because they can't buy another Mercedes. And some of the foot messengers who didn't have anything – were the happiest people in the world because yeah. they could be home with their family, right? So I started to understand the value of money and what really success is. But I was working since I was 10 years old. I always worked because I grew up with a single mom and um, I wanted to bring – I wanted to contribute to my household because yeah. I didn't have any siblings. So that was all part of the course of me growing up. You know? So you almost felt the responsibility to generate money for the family. Yeah, it was just me It wasn't and mom. a choice for you. It, right. it, it wasn't a choice for me and um, – uh, you know, I figured that, that that's just what you had to do. You know, you have to work. Nobody's going to take care of you. And I didn't want to see my mother work so hard just to take care of me. Yeah. Now, when I picture a young kid, pretty hip kid, I'm guessing. Yeah. Right? Pretty hip. Yeah. Sitting in his living room sewing. <laughs> yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, that's not exactly the hippest hip hop image. Oh, of all, but oh, let, like, me tell you, let me tell you something. When I was sewing hats back then in 89, the perception in hip hop was that I was gay, and I'm not gay. I have no issue with anybody's sexual pre- preference. But it still but wasn't you. Nobody was talking to me anymore. My you were friends were because I was so <laughs> talk know? about stereotypes. Yeah, I'm telling you, the worst ever. <laughs> so it's interesting to me. It wasn't hip at the time. No, it wasn't fun. No, I'm guessing your fingers were freaking killing you. Sleeping three hours a night because I was still working at Red Lobster. Yep. So you're yep. working. So what you waiting tables at Red Lobster? I'm waiting tables at Red Lobster. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're waiting tables. You were none of this is glamorous. None of it. <laughs> none of it. But you were really focused on accomplishment. I mean, you really had your eye on making money and coming through for your mom and stuff. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Um, is that in your upbringing? Where I do you think, think it is, that I think com- it is my upbringing because, you know, my father was around until I was 10 and then life happened and they got divorced. I never see him again. But whenever I would come home or at, at home as a child, I would always see my parents come home from work and then either try to go take a, a course in school or work uh, or create something else and do something to sell or whatever the case is. They were constantly uh, moving forward and trying to improve themselves. And I think that, that that's just how I grew up. So betterment, which is part of life. Yeah. Whatever you did tomorrow had to be a little better than today. 100%. Wow. So, so okay. So now you, you, you sell these $800 worth of hats, uh-huh. right? Big yeah. feeling of accomplishment. That's a lot of freaking money for you back then. Yeah. yeah. So now you come home. What do you say to mom? I said, I know what I want to do now. I want to make the uniform for this community. And then she says to me, I remember like yesterday, take inventory. And I said, I sold out. I don't have any inventory. And she said, your assets are what feeds you and your liabilities are what eats you. And the inventory you need to take is of yourself. The way you think, the people around you, the education. You, you Maybe you think you know it all, so there's nothing else for you to learn. And I started – I had to write down. I had to start writing down. I don't know anything about manufacturing. I don't know anything about distribution. I don't know anything about clothes. I don't know anything about – but I know rappers. I know I have a bunch of friends here. I love hip-hop. I know my customer. I can sew a couple of hats. And I had to keep adjusting that inventory uh, every – Three months, six months, see who I needed around me. So my friends came around and which friends would help me, which friends didn't yeah. give a shit. Those were the assets. Yeah, those are the assets and those are liabilities either way. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I learned that calling it a Ben Franklin. Uh-huh. And we would take a yellow pad. We'd write a line down the middle. I'd put a plus on the left side, a minus on the right. <laughs> yeah. And I used the same thing, but I used to call it a Ben Franklin. Ben Fra- yeah, and go. I'd write every asset I had on the left side, uh-huh. every liability every I had liability, to write, yeah. including friends and resources. Yeah. And I still and- do it till today. Like, but I take, I take, I, I do it today of what I feel are A priorities, B priorities, and things I need. I don't ever, I don't want to do. And why am I doing it? Yeah. Yeah. So you and I share something which is interesting. We juggle a lot of balls, mm-hmm. right? You're involved, and in, I want to talk about some of the businesses in sure. a minute. But but how do you manage your priorities and your time every day when you you have a lot of companies that you've invested yeah. in? You've invested almost what nine million dollars of your own money in Shark Tank. About twelve now, yeah. About twelve of your own money. How many companies is that? It's about eighty. About 80, 80. 80 companies. Yeah. Now, all of them want to talk to you. Yeah. All of them want to tap yeah. into your brain, don't they? Yes, yes, yes. Now you got a TV career. Uh-huh. You got your other businesses that aren't Shark Tank my, my related, of yeah. course. Sure, and new businesses that I want to do, of course. Right? I have my own dreams and aspirations. Yeah. Sure. How do you manage it all? Uh, super challenging. Always looking for uh, and and have a great and amazing staff. But yeah, you have to allocate time a certain way. I mean, I look at my. Let's say I, I have eighty companies in Shark Tank. I uh, I'll break them up in thirds. Um, one third is the Walking Dead. 
you know, I gave them the cash. Yep. Uh, it's not working out at the moment. It may come around, but you know what? There's nothing else for me to say to them. Right. Because, not worth a lot of your time right now. Yeah, right? Uh, another third of them are great. And I may I may screw it up if I stick my nose in it because the operators are so great. Right. You know what? All. Call me whenever you want. I'm here for you. I'll yep. give you ten pieces of advice. Five of them are garbage probably, and five of them may work. It's up to you. Yep. So then I have to I have to zone in on the ones that are in the fence. They're 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 make it or break it's. You just don't know what's going to happen. And those are the ones I zone in on. And those are the ones that need your time. And those are the ones that need my time. So that's why I basically break up most of my. Uh, you know, holdings, um, and uh, you know, and and I tend to find that the, it's eighty twenty, man. A, you know, eighty percent of your time it creates twenty percent, but the twenty percent really creates the eighty percent of revenue, and 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 that that tends to be how it works out in everything. Isn't it funny when we hear those cliches when we're young? Yeah, we you go, think, well, what, what, what bullshit is it? And then I was like, you like. Oh, that cliche's around for a reason. You know I mean? <laughs> That's right. And when I was saying it ourselves, it's funny. There's so many of those things yeah. that my mother and father said to me at the, at the time. Sure. We thought it was insane. One of the big ones was, oh, I've known him 40 years. Yeah. And that was insurmountable to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Now I say that stuff myself. All I've the, known all... that guy 40 years. <laughs> yeah. So when you went into Shark Tank, you got involved in a whole bunch of things. But what was interesting to me is what you did with FUBU. You, so you started with hats. Then you went yeah. into T-shirts. Then yeah, I went into T-shirts, yeah. How did you capitalize it all? You're still a young kid. How old are you when you sold the hats first time? I was 20. Yeah. So you're 20. Okay, so you're a young kid. Yeah. Not exactly credit worthy yet, I imagine. No, no credit at all. Yep. No, nothing. Um, well, well, first of all, I, I had gotten a loan on my, my house that my mother and I had um, and because I came out here to Vegas and I, I wrote $300,000 in orders, right? <sighs> But that was after about seven years of constantly placing stuff on videos and being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, I, I, so I wrote So it didn't happen overnight. No, not at all. Not yeah. at all. For seven years. I, I closed the business three times from 89 to 92 because I ran out of capital. But I only ran out of a little bit of money. So I was able to rebound. I didn't go and blow my load on everything. I'd run out of 1000 2000 4000 right? I would learn the lessons that I'd yeah. keep. I'd, I'd come back. And then, so when people say, "Oh, I'm a lucky guy," ah, oh, overnight success. What a bunch of bull that is! Oh man, it was tough. It was tough. So you turned the lights out a couple of times on the way. Turned the lights out a couple of times, and then when I finally took on my other three partners, and then I um I had that house. So basically, before there was an Airbnb, what we did was we we took all the furniture in the house. My mother moved out. We took all the furniture in the house. We sold what we could, whatever we couldn't sell. We burned it in oil drums in the back. We made room. We uh, got about a dozen industrial sewing machines, hired a bunch wow. of seamstresses, because I had already taken out a mortgage on the house. I got turned down by all these banks, but I had 300000 dollars in orders. I rented, Which is crazy. Yeah, I rented out all the rooms in the house, four rooms. I rented them all out for $50 a week to strangers. Wow. And I would sleep on sleeping bags. I would sleep in a sleeping bag next to the sewing machines, and I'd go to work at Red Lobster. So the people rented rooms are walking by the sewing machines on the way getting, to their bedroom. Yeah, I'm getting robbed in my bathroom, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it, you know, it, it's fine, right? But um, wow. And I did that for three years. Wow. Um, and I worked at Red Lobster. So I would work at Red Lobster from 12 to 12, come home, sew hats, and in the morning um, at 6 in the morning, because I'd sleep from 3 to 6, uh, 6 in the morning I would go and start delivering the hats and shirts to the stores and then be back at work by 12. So there were moments where you almost lost the dream. Many. So here you sell your eight hundred. You got an order for yeah. three hundred thousand. You're on a high, man. I'm on right? a high. You're kicking, and then all of a sudden, whammo! The gotta reality cl- gotta sets close in. it. Got to close it because you know what? Maybe I bought too much inventory. Whatever the case is, I I spent my money on this. I spent my. I didn't know what I was doing. The first batch came in screwed up when I went to a manufacturer, yeah. so I had no place to. You know, so you know that's that's the trials and tribulations that most entrepreneurs do, go through. But the problem is, a lot of them give up after the first time. Yeah. Well, you obviously had a passion that didn't allow you to do so. Yeah. Where's your mom now? Mom is in Miami, or I don't know where she is because she's a retired American Airlines flight stewardess. So she, I'll I'll so call. She could be flying I'll anywhere. I'll call her somewhere, and she'll be like, yeah, I'm in Rome on a date. And I'm like, Ma, you, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? I don't want you to blush, but how proud of you is she? She she she's proud she's proud but I'm more proud of her you know because she she's stuck in there you know and and she 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 always has my back mom's are the best man yeah she backed you up big time when you needed it hundred percent yeah and put everything on the line for you all day 
That's amazing. Okay, so now you go do Shark Tank. Yeah. Now, I was invited to do a guest spot on Shark uh-huh. Tank, uh-huh. by the way. We couldn't work out the oh, schedule. Oh, man, I wish you would have. That would have been great. Well, I'll try to do it this year. Oh. It would be a blast to do it together. So so I know how it works. i got to put money in the bank before I go. Mm-hmm. And so people don't know this. Shark Tank is real. I mean, they, when they invited me to do it, i got to put money in the bank before I show up yep. on set. Uh-huh. i got to be prepared to invest my money. It's real. Mm-hmm. And there's a little due diligence process after you say yes or no because on the show you commit to a deal. Yeah. But you haven't seen anything. Right. So we don't know anything about those people at yeah. all. Um, we don't even get a piece of paper on them. Uh, you see eight minutes of what could be an hour or an hour and a half pitch. Right. We go back after that. Um, it takes us anywhere from six months to nine months to close the deals. And um, we close about 90% of the deals now because yeah. I think the Sharks are more in tune with what their strengths are, what they have, you know can work with. I mean, season one, we closed about 30% of the deals because the show was new. We didn't know what to expect. and You weren't as deal- comfortable to jump. Right. And the deal flow wasn't as great. Yeah. You know, but now everybody knows what Shark Tank is. Of so course. The they're bringing flows, you good stuff. They're bringing us good stuff. But they yeah. were bringing us crap in the first year, you know? Right. Wow, that's really fascinating. So when you get into the company, sometimes it's more of a passive role. Sometimes, obviously, it's a, it's a majority role. Most of the time, it, it's a minority interest that you guys take. I, in I only take minority interest, and I only take a super passive role because I have my own day job. Right. right. So if I'm going to sit there and give you whatever two hundred thousand dollars, I'm also not going to show up every day for work. You know, right. um, I, that's worth more to you than the two hundred thousand. One hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I say, where can I add value? All right. Can I put you with my sales team? Can I help license the product out? Can I help you uh, with some of the manufacturing challenges? But more, more than ever, you got to run the company. That's it's your company, and I'm not in the position, and I will not be in the position to tell you what to do. You know, you're the consummate. Small business guy who makes them big. Yeah, I try. Because yeah. it's always a small business when you get in. Mm-hmm. You don't 100%. get into big corporate deals. You create big corporate deals. Correct, correct. If I want to get into big corporate deals, I just send my, my money over to Tesla or I send my money over to Apple. They don't call me and ask me for anything. That's right. I open the mailbox and there's either a there's loss a or a profit, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So there's a reason why you do this because you could passively invest your money in markets and bonds yeah. and things like that. But you choose to invest it in business. I choose to for various reasons. I think, first of all, I was lucky enough and blessed to be a small business owner that has uh, have met many people and, and they've helped me up the ladder. Also, though, I learn just as much from these yeah. new companies. You know, uh, my guys uh, who do Bomba Socks, right? They 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 were on. They first came on doing eight hundred thousand a year. I think they'll do over a hundred million dollars per year now. Um, and but, I read they gave away four million pairs of socks. And, and yeah, and I, I think they're up to ten million. That's the important part that I learned. First of all, they go direct to consumers. They're not in retail. They may go into retail if they want to. So it shows you're not at the mercy of a consum- uh, of a retailer how they operate their or business. Distributor, right? And more importantly. They give away a pair every time they sell a pair, and the customers go and talk about them because the customers say, you know what? I don't need to give at the end of the year. Every time I buy, I want to know that I've given to somebody, right? And it made me change my business. Because of these guys. So I've, I've learned – I've gotten way more than money out of the situation. It teaches people that charity can just be into our lives. Yeah. It can happen every day in right. our day-to-day lives. Right, it doesn't have to be something we do at the end of the year or for New Year's resolution. Exactly. Because social media has proven that. You know, listen, when I gave away millions and millions of dollars from FUBU um, before social media and the internet was out – how would I tell people that I gave it away by advertising off the hardships of others? Like yeah, I, I couldn't do that. Do that. Of but today, with social media and the transparency, and people want to know the whole story, you can tell that story without feeling like you are trying to benefit off the hardship because you're bringing actually attention to some of the challenges that people have out there, right. and more people are donating whether through the socks or on their own. Yeah, when you bring attention to it, the solutions yeah. follow. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is what typically happens. You know, it's interesting. When I look at, like you, I'm a small business advocate. Yeah. I love small business. I love entrepreneurs. Yeah. I love that guy who takes a risk. That's right. What I love about today's world is I can go into the retail business without building a store, mm-hmm. without a warehouse, uh-huh. without a big sales uh-huh. team. Sometimes without inventory. Without, I was just going to say without a big inventory. Uh-huh. And I look at all of these new business models, you know, like socks yeah. and sheets uh-huh. and pillows. And sure. it, it's such an exciting time because 
you don't need to create the investments. Now, you did that years yeah. ago, but you didn't have the internet then. It wasn't as easy. You had to fight no. it out. I sold you a shirt. I had to follow you home to find out where you live so I could knock on the door to try to sell you another one next week. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? That's Talk about intuitive marketing. Yeah. <laughs> so when I look at today, and, and don't hold me to exact numbers, but I'm close, Damon. Last year, about 800,000 new small business filings happened. Yes. Post-tax changes – about 779000 per quarter. Mm-hmm. So small business filings are up about yeah, 70%. 100%. Really exciting time. It's amazing because everybody can open. If you have a cell phone, you can open a business. You can. Yeah. And tax advantages are a little better. Small uh-huh. businesses alive. How do you feel about the consumer marketplace today? Is this a good time to start a business? If you can't start a business now and you can't find money now by people who are, want to support the business and understand your vision, then you're an idiot. I, you know, I mean, it's a really hard – it's really hard to not be – if you really – now, we have to all look at our report card. We're not always going to get an A on our report card as you yeah. show often on your shows. Yeah. But if you really feel you have a good product and idea and you solve a problem, if you solve a problem, a pain that the customer has, you can win. I mean, you you could touch a button and you can instantaneously market around the world for free. Remember when we used to have focus groups? Of course. Are focus groups even around anymore because because you have you have social media online. Yeah, get on there and half the people said it's garbage. Then you know what to fix. You know what I mean? People say I'd buy it. They'll buy it. Let's sell it. Fix it. Yeah, exactly. So this is the absolute best time to ever be an entrepreneur. So when we think about the opportunity today economically with internet-based businesses and social media-based businesses, when we think about the fact that that retail, traditional bricks-and-mortar retail is a scary environment today. They're in trouble, yeah. And malls are a scary environment today and stuff. And I look at you, and I don't know if anybody's ever said this before. You market personally. Let me share what I mean. FUBU connected to a community. Yes. It was a personal type of a product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It connected with people's souls and identity. Sure. Yeah. When you talk about your sock company, you light up when you talk about that they're giving one away. Yes. Right? There's yeah. something that's personal. Yeah. You're marketing in a personal sense. There's a yeah. gratification when I buy one of your yeah. products. So true. Yeah. You connect deeper than other marketers do. I never thought about it like that. I, I try, yeah, I guess because it's the passion that's driving me, yeah. But you understand that a product connects. Yes, 100%. And you don't sell the product. You sell the connection. Yeah, it's a destination. I think you're, right? I think you're a freaking genius, by the way. <laughs> well, thank you. I like, appreciate it, but I, I wish. Studying this, yeah. you know, I, when I look at your brands and the things that you touch, you go about it deeper. You do. Yeah. And I don't know if you realize it because maybe this is, you know, uh, your mother's son being better every day. Yeah, it's just me. Yeah, yeah. But the fact of the matter is your products connect in a different kind of a way. Yeah. You connect in a different kind of a way. It's fascinating to me. I really think your success comes from this innate depth that you have to connect with people through products and things and services. I think that's really powerful. Well, I appreciate it. I, and, I have to give it some thought. But, yeah, I mean, I only know I'm too close to it, right? It's, it's of course, just me, right? Of course. That's why it's fun to hear it from somebody else yeah. who's not so close right, to right, it. Right, right, right. And I, I don't know you that well. Right, but, right. But I know your products, and I watch you. And as a marketer, right. I look at a guy like you, and I say, why? How can he touch all these brands and spark, ignite them? Right. You make them personal. It is it's personal. a yeah. really powerful thing in the way that you go out marketing. And now you're trying to do it for people with online educational programs. Yeah. And tell me about what you're doing. Yeah, this is so, exciting. And I know, I know you're an educator as well. So I have something called Damon on Demand. And um, uh, you can go on DamonOnDemand.com. But it is eight hours of uh, a digital interactive course because, you know, I think we all have the same challenge, right? When we're growing up in, into becoming an entrepreneur or even after we already have a successful business, there's so many moving parts. And you can't be – the expert of all these areas, manufacturing, distribution, warehousing, finance, you know, uh, marketing, social media conversion. And you don't know where to go for a lot of these things. So I put it together eight hours. It's a digital course. uh, And, you know, listen, it's not something you just listen to. You have to take the course and, you know, you have to answer it. And, and, you know, it's interactive. It's interactive. Right. So if you don't if you don't answer correctly, it kicks you back out. and You got to start all over again. But it, it ends up. 
it ends up making these, uh, you know, the, giving you these aspects of business, whether trademark or patent, you start to understand it like a second language. You know, before Shark Tank was out, business guys like you and I understood the language. But today, a little kid knows royalties and margins and uh, distribution yep. and, and all it's that amazing. kind of and all that. And, and, you know, what's your quota? And, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, when are you delivering? And it's 30 days on the boat, you know. And can you close the deals? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so so this is what Damon on Demand is because it's the, it's the 20 years of landmines that I stepped on that I don't want other people to step on. And they need this information all in one space. Uh, so And that's what D- Damon on Demand is, eight hours of education. Of course. You know, watching you talk about it, this is a, a bit of a personal quest for you to help people, isn't it? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I hate to say it, the bad boys and girls, their only job is to find a way to make get money from you, right? And, and, and I believe in the power of broke. Go out there, you act, you learn, you repeat, put as little as you can out there and use your brain to make you think of innovative ways to become who you are or get your brand out there or get an association with other people that you value. Yeah. My grandfather used to say, if your checkbook isn't big, your idea book better be. Yeah. Same excellent, same Ex- basic thing. One hundred percent excellent. You know, and, and and that's why I do stuff like Damon on Demand or the educational yeah. stuff, the books, or while we're doing the podcast today, you want to empower people. And they, we've been lucky enough to be blessed. And in some weird way, it will come back to us if we educate and empower more people. Do you feel that wealth is a responsibility? In what sense? You know, I'm I'm blessed, like you. Yeah. The responsibility to give back. The responsibility to educate, the responsibility to leave a footprint of good behind us. I personally believe that, yes. So do I. The fact that you and I are blessed with resources, whether they're intellectual, financial, uh or contacts, or whatever they might be. And you and I possess the unbelievable blessing to be able to change somebody's life. I believe so, and I hope other people do, but I believe so only because I'm fortunate enough to be a a beneficiary of people who had access and or whatever and i i don't know i don't i don't meet too many business people or successful people who don't want to help others neither do i if they know the the person they're helping wants to help themselves and they're not looking for a handout they're like come to my office do this i'll help you with this I, i don't know anybody who isn't like that i think help is such a basic primal instinct when we help somebody we feel good yeah, it's it's one of the most basic instincts we have. Hundred percent. But but there's this there's this theory, and I guess because we grew up watching Dallas and watching uh, uh, Wall Street, we grew up with this theory that it's wreckable, or you oh, know what yeah. I mean. But business people aren't like that. Be very uh, honest. You know, I feel that that sometimes we're villainized. We are as the wealthy were villainized as as guys that own corporations and have investors were villainized. I think we're villainized. You know why? Because. Due to all the charities and all the work that we do in trying to help people, you know, that's a that 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 doesn't look as strong as in when we're putting somebody in their damn place because they're a piece of shit or they don't want to do anything or they want excuses and we bark at them and that's what you see. Right. The bite. The bite. Right? <laughs> When we say when I go, when I go, so how much work have you put into this? Well, none because I have a great idea. Fuck your great idea. I got a great idea too. Everybody in the world has an asshole and an idea, and they both stink, right? That's Until right. you put it into motion. So when people see that, that's all they hear and all they think about us. Yeah. Has Shark Tank provided you with a, um, a resource that that changed your life? Because let's face it, you were wealthy and successful before it, but these eighty companies or so that you've yeah. gotten from Shark Tank has provided you with this exposure to so many business types dramatically changed my life but you're involved in almost every business category i can imagine through shark tank i I think it it changed my life for various reasons number one before that i was still the fubu guy so people's perception was i was going to come into the boardroom break dancing with gold teeth (laughs) you know what i mean and 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 rapping and shit So <laughs> I think that uh, it, it, it showed that if I know the fundamentals of business, I'm just a businessman. It doesn't yeah. matter. So number one, it put me in different rooms. Number two, like I said, it educated me from uh, all, seeing how these businesses have transformed and how they're doing business. Instagram wasn't even out when Shark Tank started. Yeah. Right? So that – All this change has happened all, while you're sitting all, in that. While I'm doing this. Unbelievable. Simultaneously, I get – I get opportunities now for my brain and my image 
and I don't have to have inventory before my sole business, besides obviously investments, where I got to make a shirt for 10, I got to bring it over here, I got to sell it for 20, and yep. if I don't sell it for 20, I got to find a way to sell it for 11. You know what I mean? I Quickly. Don't have, I don't have inventory. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? So it has changed me. And then again, by far, I think the most important thing is it's allowed people to, you know, when you stand on that Shark Tank carpet, it doesn't care about your color, your gender, your race, anything else. Entrepreneurship is something that everybody can do. And when everybody sees my dyslexic, left back in school, raised by a single mother, brown little boy from Queens with no money, when they see that I've done it, they know that they, they can, can do, do it, it too. Right? Wow. Isn't that the ultimate message? That's it. Isn't America wonderful? America is great. Does it worry you today? I'm not, I don't want to get political because we're not political. Does today's just general discourse bum me out? It's it's horrible, you know. And I don't, I'm not going to get political either. But, but the, the challenge, the, the challenge, environment. I'm talking. It, it is just such a spin, you know. Because the reality is, we all have way more in common than we have differences. We all don't want to be judged unfairly. We all want to take care of our families. We want to be able to worship and we want to be at our freedom. We want to be able to have sex with whoever the hell we want. That's And that's nobody else's business. In a way right? we want. That's right. That's it, right? And, uh, you know, it's just today's spin is just ridiculous. I, and I, I don't understand it because I, I listen when, when my when my when my father left, my mother ended up having to be with a man of the Jewish faith. Okay? He's white. Taught me two things very important. Number one, he taught me that love doesn't come in a color or a gender. That's right. And number two, he taught me white people are just as screwed up as black people. Are. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Jewish Christian, and, that doesn't and, matter either. And and he also taught me, Damon, be pro-black but never anti anything else. Yeah. Um, but that's what's great about the way you position your brand. Because yeah. you didn't make yourself at all exclusive a favorite to the black community, no, even and, though and, you came and, up in the hip hop product and people world. Thought, and people thought at first, at first that Fubu was for blacks, but no, Fubu was Fubu was for whoever loved hip hop. Right. Trust me, listen. One of the greatest rappers of all to me is a guy named Eminem. By the way, he's not black. That's but right. if he would have said, "I want to wear Fubu," he'd have been decked out in Fubu all day because he was cool as shit, and he is. And he cool was as the shit. center of the hip hop world. That's it. Yep. So it was really it was a lifestyle, not an ethnic product. Exactly. Yeah, and and it's interesting. And you've made so many lifestyle products since. When we think about this environment today of this discourse, and you know, when you and I were younger, even if we didn't know each other, I'd be rooting for your success. Right. You'd be rooting for yeah, mine. Hundred percent. Yeah. I almost feel like today we're not rooting for each other like we used to. You know why we're not rooting? I believe. I believe because when you get up and you open up Instagram, everybody else is sexier, healthier. They're on a vacation. They're richer than you, and they're just as screwed up. But because everybody's putting up this sizzle reel of their life and not the blooper reel, it gives people this insecurity that what am I doing wrong when you're doing it right? Yeah. Right? But you're not – you know, you're just looking at all this crap. And it makes people feel inadequate almost. It makes people feel inadequate. 100%. You know what else is interesting? I think there's, there's a real bullshit part of it. If you posted a picture of you in your worst outfit, looking the worst you've ever looked in your life, yeah. people would say, looking great, man. Yeah. Looking terrific, bro. <laughs> great picture. It would be complete bullshit. Yeah. So people get this instant gratification online yeah. that's really a crock of shit when you, you think about you're it. You're 100% right. So, oh, boy, what a great idea. Boy, you look terrific. And it's BS. So what <laughs> happens, I find, with a lot of young people, and it worries me, Dame, when I look at some of them, is they're not used to working long and hard like you and I are. That's true. They get programmed for this instant gratification. Yeah. Because they post it, whammo, Bam. they get yep. it. Uh-huh. Where it took you years to get that gratification, right? There were dark days where you were failing. Very dark days. days. When your future mm -hmm. was bright. But that gratification didn't come for years until no. you held that million-dollar check. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, instant gratification. You're right. And that worries me today because you and my gratification came hard. Yeah. We worked hard for it. It took us years to get it. And the disappointments didn't slow us down. Yeah. They made us fight harder. Yeah, it separated us. I worry that the instant gratification that they get today makes them quit and bail. They I don't stay I, with it as long. A lot of them, a lot of them, yes. Because what happens, but this, the ones that, that, that stick it out realize over a course of time, I'm going to stick this out because I feel like I'm, this I feel like I'm, yeah. And, and I, even till today, I don't care. I don't care. You, you know, you hear about all these people that raised a billion. Da, 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 da. 
I don't see any business today that still doesn't take seven years to get real traction. You know, and you know, I mean, you know, first three years it's a struggle. The set, the next set of the three years, you're starting to get into your groove, but you really don't start getting traction until six, seven years in. Right. And all those people who think they're going to get something in one year, yeah, overnight brands don't happen. Yeah, and, and it happens on Shark Tank too because what happens? They have the Oprah effect. Boom! You get on Shark Tank, million dollar sales. Okay, get to work because what happens after that is. And then, the, you know, then you get into your groove and you come back after you analyze where your successes are, or failures are coming from. If you survive it. If you survive it. That's right. 100%. Yep. And, and I'm guessing 30%, 40% probably don't. Yeah. They get that low. Correct. So they gear up for they the They get the open moment. Uh-huh. And then they get caught with their pants down and they spend themselves out and of business done. in the end. Then they're done. Yeah. Tell me about your new book. New book, a Power Shift, is going to come out in uh, March, uh, and uh, you know it's about uh, you know a lot of the stuff is about negotiations. About you know, listen, end of the day, we all have to negotiate one way or another. Whether you're trying to get your remote control away from your spouse or you're trying to get a million dollar deal, right? We're all pitching uh, all day. Yeah, we're pitching all day, and and more importantly, we're negotiating with ourselves when we look in that mirror. You know what I mean? Um, so so it's a lot of these things on how you are going to get what you want and the ability and the and the techniques to do. The things that I see when I see these people stand in front of me on Shark Tank, the way that I see them just shoot themselves in the head when they first walk in the door or the way that I see them go, you know, this train is leaving the station one way or another. You want to hop on? It's cool. If you don't want to hop on Sharks, it's up to you. But I'm getting the hell out of here and I'm going to be good. And we're like, how can I be down? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Okay, buddy. You've made the money. Yeah. You've got the fame. Do you like fame, by the way? I do and I don't. Um, me too. It's got to be a real bad side to it. Right, right. So um, the fact of no privacy is or or challenging, you know, my family and stuff like that, that's the challenging part. But People treat you different because you're famous, don't they? They do. They do. I find even old friends from high school will treat me different suddenly because I'm famous. They, they, it's weird, isn't it? it, it it's a weird, right, because you don't know where Are it's coming from. Are you the same from, guy right? you were 25 years ago? Uh, 100%. <laughs> The good part about it, though, is, you know, I don't have the fame like Beyonce and Jay-Z because I can't even imagine Oh, that's over that. the top. Yeah, I can't that, imagine. That is, like, ridiculous. The good part it is people come up to me and they pitch me because they want a better life for their family. So how many pitches a day? Oh, I got an idea for you. I got an idea for you. Uh, I get uh, – if I'm if – I, if, I can get up to 300 a day, depends on if you add social media and and stuff. I get up, but uh, on the street or, you know, somewhere in in, in physical reach, uh, 30 to 40 a day. So getting in an elevator with you provides the ultimate elevator elevator pitch opportunity. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But but believe it or not, uh, I don't get too many elevator pitches. Why? Because there's often a couple of people in the elevator, so nobody wants to throw their business out there. (laughs) And I know how to tell them. Don't tell the idea somebody in here may take it. Then they go, all right, all right, no problem, no problem. You're having fun, I can tell. You're, I, you're I loving am. life, man. Yeah. So when you woke up this morning, you chose to came here. Mm-hmm. Why? Oh, first of all, I'm a fan. Thank you. And I wanted to meet you in person. Thank and you. I knew the I knew the conversation was going to I was gonna some way leave smarter than when I woke up, you know, because you know, whether it's if you don't have a big checkbook, you better have a you know <laughs> big, big idea big book. idea book and all right now I know that and that that's you tell you gonna steal my line? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you credit for it. But that that alone has made me smarter today, just that statement, right? Um, Boy, are you your mother's son, aren't you? <laughs> every day, get every better, day. get better, get better. It's funny thing. My mother, my mother used to say, I won't date a guy who I can't learn from every day. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. And without learning, life is just empty. It's yeah. hollow. Yeah. So, so it, it's great. It was engaging to be here. And I'm, I'm just a fan, too. So, you know, how, how can I, be, you know, how can I learn today? What do you do for fun? Oh, uh, I... I fish. I, I do anything that has something to do with the water. Sailing, fishing, diving. Me too, because I grew up on Long Island. And, yeah, and obviously uh-huh. when you grew up in Queens, water's always nearby. Yeah, I'm always, I was always fishing in Long Island, yeah. right? So um, anything I could do there, I I, I, I also I, – I'm, I'm decent with coming, throwing knives and archery. Mm. All outdoor stuff. You wearing a Yankee hat. You a Yankee fan? Uh, more New York fan, but yes, I'm Yankee somewhat. As as a as a guy who loves Brooklyn, mm-hmm. right, right? Have you ever seen the film The Ghosts of Flatbush? No. There's a documentary film. I'll send you a link to it about the sociological impact of when the Brooklyn Dodgers left Brooklyn. Really? And it ripped the city apart. 
because people didn't homogeneously have anything to connect them with. Wow. Black, white, old, young, mm-hmm. right? Right. And it's a fascinating film that I think as a Brooklyn guy, you'd really get a yeah. kick of. I want to send it to you. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, uh, you spend a lot of time in New York still? Yeah, I'm still in New York. Uh, yeah. You know, my I live in the city, but my main home is, uh, you know, um, upstate a little bit. Um, gotcha. And Westchester County? Uh, further up, further up. Up gotcha. by Millbrook and stuff like oh, that. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah. so, up sort of by the hills. Yep. Nice. Yeah, nice, nice countryside, you know. Where's, what's next for you? Well, uh, you know, we're in the middle of shooting season 11, uh, Shark Tank. Wow. I mean, 11 years. Uh, uh, How many episodes have you done? Uh, over 200. Um, 11 years of shooting the show. Isn't that incredible? It's Did amazing. you ever think it would last so long? I never thought it would last one season. I thought I'd make a pilot and go home with my own show. I never... I mean, to think that it would make it would be an arrogant assumption in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You'd be an ass to think that I it would make it. I thought it would fail. I'd be like, who wants to see five business people talking? Who wants to see that crap? But let let it be a producer like Mark Burnett, you know, and he, and he, and he, he's and, genius. And he's genius, right? Um, so that's that, uh, you know, um, pushing. I'm always jealous of you guys. You know why? Why? <laughs> you get to sit in that same room all the time. I'm traveling all over oh the country yeah. in the dirtiest bars. I'll tell you a secret. When I walk in these kitchens, uh-huh. I sometimes have to sprinkle garlic on my tongue so I can breathe. That's oh. how much they smell. Oh. You're sitting in that nice, comfortable chair in that nice, yeah, yeah, comfortable yeah, yeah. boardroom. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for you on that one. I remember because they wanted me to do a show very similar to um, um, uh, Traveling the World. What's the, what was the pl- Anthony Bourdain show? And oh, I sure. Was, yeah. I was like, I can't do that, man. Yeah. I can't be on the road like that. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so so, that, so that's one thing. You know, I, I, I have a brand new baby girl. She's, uh, you know, um, um, I'm trying to spend more time with dad. And more uh, old? She's three now, Aww. and you know I have, I have two older ones, um, and more importantly, I I I, uh, I had cancer two uh, two years ago, and yep. and I'm cancer free, and Congratulations. I want thank you, and I want people Beating to know that does not surprise me with you. <laughs> well, I want people to know that you know guys like you and I, uh, you know, we take care of everybody else, but we don't take care of ourselves when we're coming up, and I want people to know about early detection because. It, it, you, there's a good chance you could beat anything if you catch it in time. But it. don't put your head in the sand. Get out there and get colonoscopy, endoscopy, pap smear, mammogram, whatever you need to do because business is doesn't mean shit if you don't have your health, right? That's so, right. so those are those are the things I'm doing, and I and I also try to save animals. I'm on the Petco board, mm. Petco Foundation. I'm trying to save those little furry friends of ours who can't fight uh, for themselves. Well, I'm into that big time. I'm also on a board at Cleveland Clinic. Oh, Cleveland and Clinic, yeah, absolutely. Neurological disorders, yeah, uh-huh. and it's a really important thing to me. So we're working hard on Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Huntington's absolutely. disease, and, yeah. and and I'm with you. You know, our health is everything. And what people sometimes need to realize is health doesn't always need to be local. You go to the best doctor you can find. Yes. It doesn't need to be down the block. Correct. And sometimes when people keep medical medical care local, uh-huh. they, they short themselves. That's true. Go to the best doctor. you best. can. Don't go to who's convenient. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, if I had a retail product, I'd go to the best in the world. I'd go to you, buddy. <laughs> right. well, this has it. been a real pleasure. Thank you, man. You know, I've watched you for years. We've communicated online. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you know, we're fans of each other. Yeah. Uh, to, to sit together has been really a wonderful experience for me. And thanks, buddy. That's thanks it. for doing things the way you do. Well, thank you. Save for being such a great example to us all, buddy, and for helping so many people. 80 companies. Yeah. Wow. Awesome, buddy. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it, John. Thank you, man. Enjoy your time in Thanks, Vegas. John. Absolutely. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. Wow. If listening to Damon doesn't motivate you, I don't know what will. This is a great time that we're living in. Put this divisiveness and all these political arguments aside for a moment. Income is up. Consumer spending is doing pretty good. Stock market isn't doing bad. As Damon says, anybody who doesn't proceed now to start a business, chase that new job, chase your dreams, you're crazy. This is the time to do it. And hearing Damon's story and all the people and companies that he's helped since his own success should motivate us all. If you're thinking of doing something, every day that you wait means it's less likely that you're going to do it. So your greatest likelihood of doing anything that you want to do is always tomorrow morning. If it isn't tomorrow morning, uh, it might never happen at all.